Hi everyone, and welcome to the May episode of the Equipment Watch Market Roundup. I'm Greg Lutz, Director of Marketing and Product, and today I'll be interviewing Director of Business Insights, Sam Giffen, about the latest trends in the used equipment markets. Then stick around as we sit down with data scientist Rebecca Fowler about some new time on market research that she's been conducting. Equipment Watch produces the leading database information products for the construction equipment industry and is the world leader in heavy construction research and serves more than 15,000 professional high-volume users of construction and lift truck data. Our online products are valuable tools and decisions surrounding the purchase, valuation, operation, and disposal of equipment. Hey Sam, thanks for being here as always as our resident expert on the, the used equipment markets. What do you want to talk about today? Well, uh, today we, we noticed some, some really interesting trends in April, uh, especially in the construction market. So I wanted to, to do a little deep dive there uh, before you do a much deeper dive with Rebecca into uh, a really interesting topic. Well, well please do. What, uh, what kind of struck your interest going through the data this month? We noticed when we were looking at the data that in the market for yellow iron, your, your, your earth moving and your, your typical construction equipment. We saw the average age is down month over month. It was about 1.7% down for the resale channel. And when you say down, we're talking... Younger. Younger, okay. Yep. So newer equipment hitting the market. Newer equipment hitting the market, that's right. And it's down about 6% on the auction channel. Now, values are down as well for construction. And we saw average usage, so this is you know recorded meter reads, is actually up a fractional amount on resale and up a pretty significant amount at auction, about 12.5%. So newer equipment, high usage, low dollar amount. Right. What, what does that tell you? So it's interesting because we usually see average age and average usage moving together. Right. Which generally makes a lot of economic sense. The older an asset gets, the more likely it is to accrue more hours mm-hmm. and to accrue a relative similar number of annual usage hours every year. So when they move in different directions, you're going to have a little distortion in values. But to see values drop in this situation, we generally attribute this to one of two main points. On the one hand, this happens a lot when there are sectoral changes. And by sectoral changes, you mean? A general shift in the, in the entire industry. And so a great example would be the impact of the drop in oil prices in late 2014, early 2015, for in the market for yellow iron. It just it stopped being profitable. People were, were getting rid of their entire fleets or they were, they were going under. Absolutely. That type of thing. Yep. And so what we essentially saw was, was almost a liquidation scenario mm-hmm. where newer assets that were heavily used. In, in the energy sector, you're more likely to see double and triple shift equipment usage. So hours accrue much faster than they do in typical highway or building construction. Right. But we saw even with that newer equipment, higher usage, we saw prices dropping. So it was a liquidation scenario. Right. But right now, I mean, energy prices are, are pretty good. I mean, it, hopefully there's another explanation. Yes. And, then, and that's just that's exactly why we lead to the second explanation, which is typically when you see this happen, it's a sign of large-scale defleeting. Now, the only, the only real group in our industry with national aggregate fleets large enough to cause sort of 
this kind of fluctuation are rental houses. Okay, I can see that. Mm-hmm. But but what would motivate that type of behavior? Ooh, now this is the fun question. Uh, there are a lot of possible explanations. One, I would say a big reason to defleet in a growth period. So you def- you can defleet in a down period, and that makes sense. You're back in that liquidation mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. But we're generally seeing the industry growing. So defleeting in a growing industry is a, it's it's a it's a strategy built around seeking margins. Okay, uh, explain that a bit more for me. If you own a rental fleet, you're incurring ownership costs and most of the operating costs of the equipment. And the only thing that's offsetting those two costs for your fleet is rental revenue, which you're really accounting for as a uh, financial utilization, right? How how many hours is this thing being rented out? And how much revenue am I getting from that? If you are unable to rent a piece of equipment for enough hours to meet that financial utilization benchmark, you'll end up losing money on that asset. Right. And not not all equipment types or, or assets are, are created equally when it comes to, to profit margin, I would imagine. That's absolutely right. I mean, I think if you ask anybody in the rental industry, they'll say the smaller the equipment, the more profitable. So this this equipment you're seeing on the market that is newer, higher utilization, lower price, does it does it fit that theory? It's larger equipment. That's correct. So it does fit that theory. There's a good chance. I mean, there are a lot of explanations for, for why this could be happening. And the fluctuations we're seeing are not so large that we can you know, rubber stamp it and say, this is it. This is what's happening. But our leading theory is that competition with rising peer-to-peer networks and a changing perception of ownership in the market is fueling lower financial utilization for the rental houses, which in turn is leading them to dispose of these assets, which are higher utilized, are a little bit newer, and they're willing to take a little bit of a, a price cut to dispose of it so that they can um, seek higher margins on the equipment that is worth more. Well, that's about the best theory I've heard. Now, if anybody listening has a better one or uh, wants to completely debunk that one, sam.giffen at penton.com. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but no, we uh, we do always love to get feedback. Absolutely. Um, well, really interesting. Uh, I love that theory. Anything else in the construction markets that we should be aware of? Not a lot in construction. I mean, we, we're going to keep an eye on what happens to the summer months. We know it's typically a low activity period as the majority of buyers are very busy working on projects through these heavy construction months. So we should continue to see values dropping a little bit. Uh, we should see average age go up a little bit more, average usage go up a little more as the assets reaching the market are typically not prime assets. Right. But overall, still feeling pretty confident about the construction market overall? I think optimism is very high, especially there's a a, a climate of hope around Mm -hmm. infrastructure investment from the federal level all the way down to the state level. And I think a lot of people are seizing on that opportunity to expand their, their equipment ownership. Well, that's great to hear. Let's let's move on to uh, a couple other of the equipment markets that we cover, starting with lift and access. So in the lift and access market, fair market and forced liquidation values are down uh, about 2.5% each, uh, give or take a, a few 
uh, tenths of a percentage point. We are seeing a really expected and actually very standard deviation in the auction and resale channels. This is something that we expect to see every year. Most lift and access equipment are rental assets. Okay. And you typically don't see a rental house disposing at auction very often. The only time you'll really see that happen is when the return on the asset at auctions can generally be expected to be high enough that the rental house isn't taking too big of a hit to dispose immediately as opposed to sitting on it, paying overhead, and incurring ownership costs until it makes it through a resale channel. That really only happens during the heavy auction seasons, February and March. So it makes sense that we would start to see things diverge again in April. So again, like construction, I uh, think lift and access is in a pretty healthy place? I'd say so. Uh, well, that's two for two. What about agriculture? Anecdotally, I think everyone has mixed feelings about ag still. No one knows whether or not we've reached the end of the super cycle and at what point we may reach an inflection point for ag. I know we've talked about it extensively here. Um, maybe we'll have to do a full episode about it at some point. But uh, we did see that average fair market values and forced liquidation values are both up about 2%. But I would encourage any listener to be very cautious about using that as a, as a pure indicator of the market. So uh, are you saying that This is kind of an anomaly that we're seeing, or is it being dragged up by by a certain type of equipment? Absolutely the latter. Uh, I wouldn't say this is an anomaly. What we're seeing in in April, we saw balers and corn headers uh, as an equipment type. On average, we're both up 9% in fair market values month over month. That's great. It's great for those two equipment types, yes. So what aren't we seeing? I don't think we're seeing the large positive trend that would be required in a larger equipment type like wheel tractors or combines, that would really indicate uh, an upswing. So, again, uh, always really important to, to dig down and not just look at the, the health of the market, right? Look at the, the individual equipment types or, or models that you're considering. But luckily, uh, any of our subscription customers already get the premium market report, which has this information already, I hope. It does. And in the same vein, market activity is a very similar situation we saw Resale activity was high overall for the market, but when you do the deep dive, that's being heavily pulled up by just two equipment types, uh, by our agricultural wheel tractors, which are up 83% month over month, and uh, corn headers, which are up about 41%. Well, even if the optimism is, is cautious, it's still a lot better than what we were talking about this time last year, right? That's absolutely correct. Finally, uh, my last question for you is, is going to be around commercial trucks. The interesting thing about the commercial truck market this year is that we are seeing uh, a continued skid in fair market values that has continued from January of this year through April, and one which we, we expect to continue until probably the midsummer months. So is our trucks the combo breaker when it comes to uh, optimism for the markets? Not at all. So this is another good reason to talk about uh, the importance of understanding your analysis. In the third and fourth quarter of every year, the next model year trucks start to be introduced to the market, but generally the market's not sure how to truly value them, right? So we know an MSRP. 
But we also know from our experience that MSRP isn't always indicative of the true resale value of an asset. And it takes a while for the market to really pick up on that. And so what we're seeing in the data is the fact that those 2017s are being depreciated from MSRP to what the market believes they're actually worth over the last four months. And so we're seeing these 2017 model years, now that the market is really truly assessing their their resale value, their fair market value outside of the MSRP that is publicized, we're seeing the greatest depreciation over the, the last four months in that gap between brand new MSRP to current value. And that gap is larger than the gap between any other model truck over the same four month span. And so we're seeing a net negative impact on our averages, even though if you were to do a model year by model year analysis, you might see a very different trend. Gotcha. Well, overall, not a bad month across the markets. No, I'd say it's not a bad month at all. Well, thank you, Sam. And now I have the pleasure of welcoming Rebecca Fowler to the show. Uh, Rebecca is a data analyst here at Equipment Watch who has been doing some really interesting research into time on market for heavy equipment. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you, Greg. Tell me a little bit about this, this time on market research. What are you doing here? So we at Equipment Watch track everything about the secondary market from auction results and use equipment sales on the dealer channel to dealer advertising itself. And from that, we're able to track whether an asset listed for sale in one time period is still available later on. So what drew you down this path of, of looking into uh, aging on market? When we look at dealer advertisements, we often see an updated date, which allows us to determine when that listing was created or when it was last edited, including any price changes that have been made. And we've often found that a particular listing may have last been updated several months prior to the current date. If you're going online to look at listings for a particular type of equipment, you may see advertisements that were last updated 6, 8, 12 months prior. Interesting. And, and so for you, this was just uh, pure intellectual curiosity, huh? It was. It was. Spoken like a true data scientist. So, so tell me a little bit about your methodology then. How would you even identify whether an asset was, has been available on the market for, for a long period of time. What I did for this particular analysis was to look at assets that were listed for sale in the first quarter of 2016 and then remove any assets that did not have a serial number. The serial number here is a really critical part in allowing us to identify a specific asset and track it over time. So once we had that 2016 data, we looked at listings for April of 2017 and we're able to compare the results based on that serial number. If an item appeared in both 2016 and 2017, we would say that that item was still available for sale. So after you, you went down this, this kind of number crunching path, what jumped out of you? What kind of uh, insights did you determine? We saw that lower proportions of smaller equipment types like compact excavators, track loaders, skid steers, were available for sale, whereas larger equipment types did tend to remain on the market. So for example, we saw that crawler-mounted compact excavators of that equipment type, 16% of those assets were still available, where for something larger like an articulated rear dump, one out of three of those assets were still listed on the market. You know, in, in my mind, larger equipment means larger price tag, which means probably uh, it, it takes more more work to sell. I mean, is, is this a surprising result to you? 
It's really not. It's it's something that we've seen in our other research, and it, and it does make sense. Clearly, an articulated rear dump is not an impulse buy. It's something that you're going to have to plan for for a long time, whereas something in the twenty dollars to $30,000 range, you might be able to, to sell that a little more quickly. Right, and and if you're a long-time listener of the show, you've you've definitely heard us talk about about costs, right? Um, and it's important to know for, for these sellers, right? It's, it's just because it's on the market not being used, you're still incurring these ownership costs. So there's a real incentive to, to bring that time down, I would imagine. There definitely is. Really neat. What, what other kind of surprising results did you see? Was there another way you were able to break down the data? I also looked at this by manufacturer, and even that really wasn't a surprise. It simply reflected the differences that we had already seen by subtype. So a manufacturer like Bobcat, which is widely known for their compact equipment, within that, within that manufacturer, we saw that about 19 to 20% of their equipment was still listed for sale one year later, whereas Volvo, which is known for their rear dumps, their paving equipment, 27% of those assets were still listed on the market. But we don't think that's because of any manufacturer differences. It's really just due to the asset mix that shows up for those manufacturers. So I think that makes sense. And and we brought it up a little bit earlier, you know, a, a larger piece of equipment usually has a larger price tag. But do you have, you know, an opinion yourself based on this research, whether it's it's the size, you know, or application of the equipment or, or the or the dollar amount that's causing this uh this effect? I think it's really the application. Clearly a buyer is not going to purchase a piece of equipment that doesn't meet all of their needs. And with a lot of the smaller equipment that's becoming more and more popular now, we're seeing increased versatility in those units that are being produced. So if you're able to get by with something like a compact track loader or a skidster loader, you're probably going to buy that over something a little larger like a tractor loader backhoe. I think that's really good insight. That makes sense to me, at least. From a, a conclusion standpoint, what should what should our listeners, uh, especially if we have any you know dealers who are listeners, um, what should they take away from this analysis? And and so for sellers, one of the common methods of pricing equipment is actually to look at listings for similar equipment and find the average price of the units that are currently available for sale. What this research indicates is that that may not be the best idea because the assets that are currently on the market may not have been updated for quite some time. So if you're basing the price of your equipment off of what's currently on the market, you may be basing that on equipment that was priced 12 months ago, or that has just been on the market that the dealers, the other dealers have not been able to sell. Right. It's just, so everyone's working with the same kind of bad information and, and continuing that cycle. Exactly. So that raises a really interesting question for for me. Uh, and Sam, perhaps this is a better question for you to answer. But we we talk a lot about how our values trend very closely with what we see happening in the market. How are we making sure that we're not falling into this the same trap that Rebecca just described? Our, our team goes to great efforts to make sure that as we benchmark our values against what's happening on the market right now, we're able to do so at, at such a scale, considering the amount of data we're able to process every month, that we can correct for both market syndication and market persistence in such a way that they have limited to no impact on our fair market and forced liquidation values. Well, as usual, it sounds like uh, you and your team have already already thought about this and corrected for it. Uh, so thanks for dispelling my fears there. Anytime. 
So I think that makes sense. And kind of conversely, what about the buyers? And for buyers, conversely, if you know that there's a particular asset or even a type of equipment that tends to remain on the market longer, you might be able to work out a better deal with the seller because they realize that it's going to take them quite some time to sell that piece of equipment. And I would imagine, you know, the opposite of true is that smaller equipment, right? Probably don't want to sit too long if it's something you, you really want. That's that's absolutely the case. Fascinating research. Uh, Rebecca, I really appreciate you, you coming on the show and sharing with us. Thank you for having me. Well, that wraps up our show. Huge thanks to Sam Giffen and Rebecca Fowler for being guests on today's show. Uh, make sure you subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a show. The Market Report and all of our Equipment Watch Intelligence reports are available uh, for free at intel.equipmentwatch.com. If you'd like to learn more about our products and what we do, visit us at www.equipmentwatch.com. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next month.